0: Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 153. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around we're going to talk about shooting long-ish guns at night, in the cold, doing defensive, offensive, <laughs> single-person movement with cover and shenanigans. Yeah,
1: uh, guys we, uh, we we had the opportunity to run this is this was a, a low light endeavor uh, had the opportunity to run some drills in the dark uh, pretty cold night uh, air temps ended up finishing out the night around 17 degrees uh, if you listen to our last podcast we talked a little bit about keeping guns going when it's cold and gnarly out um, this wasn't horrible weather. It was just cold. There was no snow. There was no rain. There was yeah, no it was pretty dry. Pretty dry. Not not a lot of wind or anything like that. Um, so I don't know that this, you know, kind of a a a, a mini version of that, but not anywhere near as severe. Um, but the 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 course of fire that we had an opportunity to run afforded us to move through, you know, I'm going to say what six, seven, eight different positions. At least eight. Yeah, at least eight different positions, and then back around the horn. Um, and engage multiple targets at different distances and stuff like that, uh, but in the dark with movement, with use of cover, um, and, and different positions with long-ish guns. Some guys were running. We had one guy running a 10-millimeter uh, AR pistol. Yeah, um, CMMG Banshee. Yeah, CMMG Banshee. Uh, I ran an actual rifle. Um, uh, you ran your shorty.
0: The sniper pistol. The
1: sniper pistol, um, and uh, the other gentleman's running an SBR or a a short or a pistol. I'm not sure which. Yeah. Uh, Either way, Um, the targets were no further than 50 yards. A couple of them were probably as close as like seven yards. Yeah. Um, And so we, I think the first target was seven, uh, and you engage that target. Basically, all the targets had there were uh, USPSA targets with center zones cut out of them. With the, is it the A zone? Yeah. The A zone on that.
0: it's a big vertical A zone yeah, cut out.
1: Yeah, it was cut out. Um, so they were negative targets. Um, you know. And in, and in this drill, the negative target just simply makes it easier to tape the target. Uh, gives you, It doesn't give you something visual to track. Um, once everybody shot up the A zone of a target enough, you can see it differentially um, than you can the rest of the target. So it gives you something to aim at versus running clean targets or running center zones. You've got to put the bullet through. Um, I want to talk just briefly about negative targets. Uh, The negative target thing, I'm honestly not sure who threw that at us as an idea, but I mean it goes way back. Um, And and I know a lot of instructors have used (sighs) negative targets. Um, And the negative target thing, if you're out on the range and you find yourself cranking a shot off, um, pressing a shot off, but then lifting your head off the gun, if it's a rifle, or, or coming off the sights on the handgun to see what's going on on the target, um, the negative target is really good for helping out with that. Uh, if you've got a buddy of yours who's doing that or a friend of yours or a family member you're working with in your training, then you want to get them to stay on the gun, stay on, you know, stay on that position. Um, whether it's on sights or whether it's just on the outline of the gun, depending on the distance or whatever, that negative target, after a few times of popping your head up to look, there's nothing to look at if you do what you're supposed to. Um, it also helps with taping the targets. It speeds things up and stuff like that because if you have a miss – um, you just mark the miss because the miss will actually be on paper. Yep. Unless it's a horrific miss um, at these distances with the guys we're shooting with. Um, I think the worst miss was, you know, within an inch or so of, of the negative in most cases. Yeah,
0: so. that is one thing, uh, especially with handguns, you start stretching the distance out. Yep. Um, if you don't, if you're not able to guarantee accountability for putting your hits on the target, yeah. um, negative targets don't necessarily keep everybody accountable.
1: That's exactly right because they can't. You know, if you got somebody who's not that skilled or is having trouble or whatever, they can be completely off the target, and and that, that's what we we don't see that again with the group of guys that we train with. In most cases, we don't run into that. Um, we, we we ran. Um, we, we have another training group uh, that we train with intermittently that we've had in the past. That there's a couple of novice handgun shooters, and and sometimes those guys, you know, if you're running safety with them, you're watching them and. You get back beyond 20 yards, there were a couple of those guys that would that would unfortunately would put stuff outside the paper, and it's a little bit of hey, let's 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 take a timeout from this, you know, slow down, let's step off to the side, work on some dry fire, work on some press work on the trigger and stuff. But the negative target is good if you've got the right group of guys, you know, or you're running closer distances yeah. to keep that popping that head up and looking. Uh, stay in the fight, stay on the sights, stay on whatever you need to do to keep yeah. servicing the target. Yeah, the other thing
0: that works well for drills and stuff like this. Is to just not score things that are in the A zone. Yeah. So you can leave all the hits in the A zone. The yeah. A zone will eventually become its own negative target. Yep,
1: exactly. Um, through hole punching. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, with 5.56, five, it takes a while. Um, with pistol rounds, it doesn't take very long at yeah. all. So um, so anyway, so we started at seven yards um, on negative targets. Uh, on the beep uh, from the low ready, come up, get two hits or two misses, as it were, through the center, through the yep. middle of the target. Uh, send two rounds through it and then all the movements uh the way that this was set up actually ended up being good bounding distance movements um i would say probably around 10 10 yards at, at most yeah. um so you were moving pretty quick to the next piece of cover or the next position as it were so-
0: very quick, get up and then yep. slow right back down. To exactly, see, so that you decelerated into the position.
1: Yeah, and it was enough distance to get moving, um, and enough distance that you had to stop moving. Um, the the next position was a kneeling position, fifty yard target again, negative target uh, to you know two hits on it, uh, and then you move to a fifty yard prone target again, same thing, two hits on a target downrange, fifty yards, uh, and then you're up and moving to some vertical uh, to a that. The next like one a was
0: stack thing of barrels yeah it was Double a stack thing of barrels. of
1: barrels so it was vertical cover um, and I like the barrels because you know you uh, there, it's fun to shoot off of a barricade barricade sometimes to be able to jack a rifle up against it and use it um, but then other times it's nice to be able to use something where you really can't put a whole lot of, of push into it but you've got to work around it and work the light around it and things of that nature as well. Um so you yeah, working vertical cover. The next was uh it's actually a core for a, a coil, a wire um that you were running off of again, and that that was uh a, a little more of a diagonal shot cross range, but still yeah. probably 40 yards-ish. Uh, moved around to a, another piece of vertical cover. Um I and I'm sure there was like maybe a couple more after that. And then the last one was vertical cover back to like a 10-yard target. Yeah. Yeah. Uh one of the targets you were shooting at an oblique angle. Um, and, it, and it wasn't it wasn't a safety thing. It was a hey, let's let's give you a little smaller zone to shoot at because of the angle of the target, etc. Uh, a couple of them are cross range targets uh, in the corner of the range. But everything except for the the first and the last or the turnaround, um, you know, the turnaround was probably a twelve yard, fifteen yard.
0: Yeah, like twelve-ish. Yeah, twelve-ish. It,
1: it was less than less than fifteen, more than ten. Um, and so basically, you're you know, two hits, two hits, two hits all the way around the horn. Um, and then on the, that target, you everybody got saucy and ran three or four shots through it, and then turned back around and went the other yeah. way. Um, the, the part times on this, guys, I'm, I'm not going to get a whole lot into part times. I'd, I'd rather say, you know, you go run it and be better than yourself the next time you run mm-hmm. it is kind of the conversation. Um, so I don't want to say, like, give you a part time or an idea, but, you know, think about the movement. Think about how long it should take you to set up and make those hits, this, that, and the other, getting in and out of position, getting up and down from prone. Um, the big thing was run the light. Um, you know, so we're, you know, Brian and I are both running the REIN lights uh, with the pressure switches, um, found that in most, in most situations, uh, running the pressure switch on the momentary worked just great. There are a couple of positions where you're into on the gun that it was more advantageous to click the constant on, engage the target and click the constant on back off. Um, with that particular light system, they're right next to each other. So it's super convenient to, for me, I run the momentary in front of the constant on, they're about an inch apart. Um, I know that you had a couple situations where it was more advantageous for you to go to the pressure switch on the back of the light. Um, yeah,
0: well, I'll actually talk about that in a little bit. Okay,
1: cool, cool. So, so, but it was it was a good opportunity to run through, get in different positions. Um, I think almost everybody took the opportunity to run off both sides of cover, uh, do some different things like that. I don't know anybody necessarily went went weekend or anything like that, but they you know working off different sides of cover um, and just running through the targets in, in general. Like I had a couple runs. I'm I'm recovering from the Rona. Um, and my lungs were not happy with me between the cold air and the movement, and that was really probably some of the first cardio stuff i 'd done um, other than squats uh, high, high volume squats that morning in the gym with light weight and so i was I was sucking some air um and the cold air didn 't like me yeah. um as if i it still worked out pretty well um, but I was pushing a couple minute times or more i think um,
0: every like so running through the whole thing and getting. You Know clean either clean targets or a couple couple misses just outside the A zone, yeah. Um, generally took people around two and a half minutes.
1: And we were running out and back, we weren't yeah. just running this one, it was uh, the way the course fire was set up, you ran it out and then ran it back, um, again. Um, so
0: probably like a hundred maybe like 120 yards was the total movement, yeah. Um, you know, with what 16 positions, yeah, 15 yeah. positions, something like that, yep. And a surprise reload, <coughs> uh, we yeah.
1: had a dummy loaded max with surprise reload, so. Yeah. 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 Um, guys, this is something that I think you could if you if you had property, you could set up a lot of places. Um, pretty easy thing to do as long as you've got someplace to stop bullets. Uh, and I think you could also modify this as well. We were fortunate because the facility that we you know that we have access to use. Um, we can shoot into the, into one of the corners on that particular bay safely um, and, and not cause any problems. So if you had some place where you could set up all, where you have, were forced to put all the targets down range, I don't think it changes this a lot quite honestly. Um, but like I said, the big thing with this was uh, was it wasn't the shooting. The, targets, the target area is a generous target area. Um, but the movement, the up, the down, the different positions and everything just kind of brings things together as a good, like, Hey, this is a rifle. I forgot what this thing's for. Cool. Yeah. It does good stuff at 50 yards. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, the one, one thing <clears throat> that the, the guy running the, the target array did was flip the two close targets backwards. So they were white backers. Yep. Um, we were not blinded even with 1400 lumens. Yeah um yep, yep. so yeah the whole you can't you can have too much light no you can't
1: yeah and i, I would say that the only place that you're going to get into to light issues um I, and i and i know that there's you know if, if you you know oh i cleared a house once with my surefire blinded myself okay well don't point, when you go into a bathroom don't point at the freaking mirror point at the ceiling train and learn how to use your shit um you know so there's there, you know there's always a conversation around how you utilize the light can do a lot of things for you um the, the one place that I do find that you can get into a conflict, and it's something you have to train through and learn how to do, is if you have an auto-adjust on your optic um, and you're sending a whole bunch of light downrange, if if it's reflecting back at you off a white target, that's actually advantageous to your optic because it makes your optic bloom yeah. and makes it brighter so you can see. Uh, I was running a uh, Trijicon um, ACOG, a 3X ACOG with the donut of death, and for me... Um, it, it doesn't get a whole lot brighter because the light, there's not enough light reflecting back to the top oh, of the right. optic, and it's not electronically responsive. It's photonically responsive. If there's not enough photons going into the tube, it doesn't get any brighter. Um, you, you, can, you can maybe overpower the reticle on that ACOG. I could see maybe inside a structure, something like that. Um, I also don't. It's not the optic I would but necessarily you choose still got to an use.
0: an it's black. still
1: an inch black reticle, it's still yeah. there. Uh, And that's not the optic I would necessarily choose to use inside a structure. This is, for me, is kind of an all-purpose gun. And I have used it inside structures and done work with it like that. Um, But in this case, you know, it worked just fine. If you have a dot on your firearm and it's not an auto-adjust dot, you know, maybe you want to set it a little bit brighter um, for those kind of conversations. And I would also opine that as a defensive tool, I'm going to have that dot a little bit brighter than I think I want it to be anyway because I want to make damn sure I can see it no matter what the condition is. I might go from being inside a structure to needing to step outside in the daylight and if my dot's turned all the way down to optimize XYZ, um, it doesn't optimize the rest of the world that I live in. So there's a little bit of, as you get out and do low light stuff, you'll learn what kind of settings you need to put your stuff on and leave it there and then understand how to work around it if not. Um, At the distances we were shooting, even if you had the light the light overpowered your dot. You're at you know ten yards. Now, these are what's the Should reference? Be like a
0: body mechanical index. Yeah.
1: This is yeah. This is literally. I mean, this is you know, this is point shooting or whatever you want to call it. At those distances, you ought to be able to run a couple of rounds through that almost instinctively or intuitively, uh, without having to chase sights or not chasing any more than the outline of the device itself. Yeah. So, yeah. Um Anything else with lights, I mean, I still find the rain, I love the warm light from the rain, how yeah. it puts out light, the reach on it was awesome. Um, I was running that nasty, I got a VG6 comp on a 14.5 inch gun. You
0: made big fireballs. Oh,
1: dude, yeah, and there, there were a couple of times where the fireball w- was a visual impact on using the gun, um, but it was up close where I was running doubles anyway, so it's was like, yeah, screw it, I, I, you know, the gun's not moving, I'm going to shoot through this. Um, but I also have the light right behind the comp and the light did kind of, it kind of powdered up a little bit toward the end of the night, mm-hmm. but I didn't notice it affecting anything cause there's yeah. so much freaking light going down range. It didn't matter. Yeah. So, um, where next? What's you? Yeah.
0: So, um, one of the things, I guess the, maybe the one place where you can't have too much light working around cover if mm-hmm. you run your light. Uh, so I, the way I've got my, my sniper pistol set up, I have my rain micro on the left side of the gun. Yep. Um, I'm a right-handed shooter. <clears throat> it makes it really convenient to get to the pressure pad on the back.
1: Of the light. Of the light, which yeah.
0: running gloves, um, I actually started using, uh, because when I was using the pressure pad mounted on the top, the remote pad, uh, I was getting a good bit of thumb in my scope. Okay. So it just made it, made it optically faster to run the pressure pad on the back of the light, the tail cap switch. Yeah. Um, but running, you know, coming around cover strong side, if I didn't get the rifle, get the, I'm sorry, the AR pistol. The sniper pistol. The sniper pistol out far enough, um, there was a lot of backsplash, like, right off the barricade. Some people, yeah. the blue barrels, it was like, oh, I got to see past yeah. the barrel. Um, aside from that, like, yeah. so, and then I guess the thing with, you know, pressure pads and optics and all that, if you've got things set up, you know, to run with bare hands or with call it mechanics gloves and things if you're thinking you might need to run your weapon when it's real cold and you're wearing thicker gloves um, figure that out because you may end up just seeing your thumb
1: yeah and that's one of those things too i think you know most of us we live in ohio so for the most part if it's a home defense conversation um you're probably going to be in your underwear running the gun um you know with a mag stowed somewhere impolite um the reality check is is that you're probably going to be barehanded you're not going to be gunned up if the world changes and you're going to get gunned up, you probably will have time to deal with this shit and figure it out beforehand. Um, avail yourself of the opportunity, whether it's just doing it in the dark dry in your home or stepping outside but or you know, or somewhere on the range. Go to the range over the winter. No, no, don't do that. Never mind. We like having an empty range all to ourselves. Uh, you know, go out and shoot when it's actually cold out with the gear on. Hunters do this. You yeah. know, we got some dudes in our tribe who weren't there that night because they were out slaying Bambi with muzzle loaders and stuff like that. And those dudes know what gloves they can get away with. They know what gets in the way and what doesn't because they've actually had it happen when, they're, when their pulse was up and they're all juiced up because it was a nice yeah. buck. Um, and they'd already been freezing their butt off for three hours. So, you know, there's a little bit of reality check. You know, I know we harp on this a lot, but get out and vet your gear. Get out and use your gear, your clothes, your clothing, your cold weather gear. It's part of your gear. So yeah. go, go train with it and move around with it. Um, I, I noticed with the ACOG, it goes a little bit cause it's a lower power optic. I noticed my thumb a little bit in it more than normal. Um, uh, when I ran gloves on a couple of those runs, uh, or on one of those runs, but it, it doesn't bother me. Some people it bothers more than it does others. Um, that is you if had I, a lot
0: thinner gloves on. True, head,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I, I find that it, it's one of those things It doesn't bother me a whole lot. Um, to me, that's just not a big deal. I can still see the reticle, even if the reticle's through your thumb. I mean, hell, spells. I ran one whole run with the freaking scope cap on that ACOG and ran it as an occluded eye gun sight and still only dropped one or two misses um, set up like that, even at 50 yards. So, I mean, a little bit of knowing your gear and knowing what works and seeing what you need, knowing what you need to see. Yeah. Because, we, you know, shooting's a visual sport. We More and more, we get into that with that book that you, with that Stoger book or Park book that you were, you know, yeah, that we yeah, were working on. Yeah, practical shooting training. Yeah um is that right is that part okay um you know and so there's a lot of the visual aspects of shooting and that has been really been shoved down our throats Uh, the guys that are good have known this for decades but you know us you know, range dork novices are figuring it out as we go um shooting's a visual thing and this was one of those good exercises where you're like okay i'm getting enough visually to do what i need to do press the trigger and move on so that was a small lesson taken away from that too
0: yeah one other note on pressure pads and lights and switches and all that kind of stuff uh, what works really well standing up or maybe in a kneeling position, yeah, uh, may cause you to get into some weird contorted positions with your support hand. Yep. When you go prone, yeah, it's uh, so another one of those things you know figure out before you got to do it for real.
1: Yeah, and that you can do in your living room. Yeah. I mean, l- literally, um, I mean, you know that like I said, that was one of the things where I did use the the constant on pad when I was dropping prone. I figured out real quick that getting stretched out behind the gun and everything else and trying to get the eye relief I needed for the optic, all of a sudden my left arm wasn't long enough. Um, t-rex and the dot the the button and it just made sense as i dropped and got set to go ahead and slide back hit click the button on make the two yeah. shots and then click it back off um it just manage the light though i did have one time where i had i'm not exactly sure what i did i think i, I think what happened was i actually blocked the ejection port with one of the posts oh. i think is what happened as going back and running okay. through that um and i had a a malfunction um due to gun placement, not due to the gun futzing up or ammo or anything like that, but due to operator error. Uh, And I'm sitting there like a freaking idiot. Um, I'm signaling aliens freaking 82 light years away with my light on, and somebody was kind enough to kick gravel on me and remind me to turn my damn light off. Um, I'm sure that was you. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, just those kind of reminders, you know, hey— if you're, if you're in the middle of that, let's not be a beacon, you know, because if you have buddies near you, they might shoot you first if you do that. So that, you know, and then they'll turn your light off for you, which is polite. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. things were learned. Uh, good time. Uh, again, I, I do think the overarching lesson of all this um, are two things. Cardio. Yeah. Get out and move your carcass around with all your crap on so you know, you know, so that you can do it. Get out and do something so you can do that. Do hard things so you can do hard things. Some hard things are fun. Um, and then, and then the other thing is, is, you know, is, is get out and test your gear, get out and run your stuff and train and make sure everything works.
0: Yeah. So. One of the other big, I think, takeaways or <clears throat> keys for success this night was being able to get into very stable positions quickly uh-huh. and then maintain those stable positions. Um, uh, if you had support, you know, via props on the range. Yeah. So much the better, but being able to get into, and then you use that support, yeah. um, on kind of on demand and while you were breathing really hard
1: yeah and that's one of our guys that we that this drove this got run um a couple. this something similar to this got run a couple times in a row uh we just had a really short night because everybody had covid a couple weeks ago and one of our guys um that we refer to as Batman, um, he is really agile. He's really good at get, with the rifle and really good at getting into position quickly and solid shooting positions, not like some kind of half-ass, I'm almost there. Um, he's trained with a couple dudes that are military guys, I think like Ranger Bat guys or something like that previously. Yeah. Um, and those guys are pretty hardcore about you know being able to get in position right now with the rifle and not just any position, but a good position and making the best out of what you have. And Batman had some faster, had some pretty solid times, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that he's practiced at getting in and out of those positions, and he's athletic and can do it quickly. And that's one of the things that just it kills me. Like you're a lot faster at getting down and getting up and getting solid than I am. But sometimes I find myself in positions with a rifle that could be improved. That I'm like looking at this, going, Why are you shooting from here? I can do it at 50 yards, yeah. but if it was 150 yards, shot, I'd have screwed myself. So there's a little bit of that too. I agree yeah. with you. Totally agree with you. Practice, practice those positions, but that's yeah. that's the athleticism and movement part of it again.
0: Yeah, mobility work matters. Yep. Um, being able to be, what is it, the the supple leopard? I think it's the CrossFit term from a Semper, decade ago.
1: separate Gumby, always yeah. flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So
0: yeah. Um, and then too, you know, knowing like if you're using your magazine in an AR as a monopod, yeah, you know where you gotta gotta get the heel of that stuck so it's not gonna rock on you. Uh, or running like the mag pods mm-hmm. on a couple mags to give extra stability or, uh, or, or if you can get down lower and, you know, run off your hand in the hand yard, yeah. kind of gets to a more stable position
1: or recognizing that if you have a 20 round mag in the gun and you go prone out, um, now you probably aren't going to put the mag on the ground. You just got to yeah. shoot off your elbows and go on. And then understanding that when you try and use that post to stabilize you, that it might be over your ejection port. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah. live and learn, live and learn.
0: Yeah. Um trying to think other, you know, magnification in this case, I think a couple of us were running LPVOs, you had your ACOG. Yep. Uh, I found one and a half or two power on the, the LPVO made things just a little bit easier yep. than running at, you know, 1x. Um, you know, if my thumb did get up there, that extra bit of magnification kind of saw over it. Yeah. Um, versus being at 1x, you kind of see everything on the top of the gun. Yeah. Uh, so something there to consider, you know. We had that. Yeah. One of the the cool <clears> things we had a, a pretty small crowd on this particular event, so we got to run through everything multiple times mm-hmm. and be able to you know tweak one or two parameters in the setup and then go run the drill again. Yep, um, made for some good data collection.
1: Absolutely, um, and yeah, and learning for sure. Um, under the conversation around power on optics, um, there's a lot of guys out there who get really really weird about one and a half or two power. And they're they're almost like it's got to be at zero or it's got to be at this or it's got to be at that. Um, I I do think there's a reality check to learning how to use that optic no matter where it falls. Because maybe sometimes you grab it, you spin it up or you spin it down. Let's say you're going from six to one and you don't have um, a supporting dot reflex optic outside the scope. um, And then you dial it back down and you don't quite get it to zero to one X. Maybe you only get it to two. Again, are you seeing enough... To make the shot if you've got yeah. visually you have what you need to make the start shot um don't get tripped up around everything being perfect it doesn't need to be perfect it needs to be good enough to put the bullet where you want in a safe fashion um and i we, we talk about that a little bit with guys a lot in here around reflex optics they're so like oh the old trigon mro was like technically a 1.08 magnification it's like oh my god shut up uh it's like the parallax conversation around the same thing Learn what you need to see and what you need to do with your equipment and stop parroting the crap you're hearing from some dill rod on the internet who, you know, looked through one at Cabela's once, you know. So go out and use it. Huh. Reoccurring theme.
0: Go out and use it. Cool. Um, Yeah. Other takeaways. uh, Running big heavy boots because it's cold Mm -hmm. will make things a lot more tiring uh, by the end of the run. Um, that was and they're thing. clunky, and yeah, they're, they're clunky, clunky and stiff.
1: So getting in position when you're wearing used to wearing like you're climbing your approach shoes, shoes, where you, yeah. you have a lot more ankle mobility. The boots not screwing up your ankle mobility. Um, yeah. That is one thing. The boots I was wearing fit fairly loose. They're not. They're comfortable. They're not really made for that. Um, but they allowed me to get down and get up a little bit easier because they're not grabbing the crap out of my feet. So yeah, yeah.
0: So. Yeah, uh, I think everybody had one of the the tactical hand warmer. Yep. Muff things with a couple of heat warmer packets inside. Yep. Um, that made a really big difference. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Be able to run lighter gloves versus big, you know, over mitts or mm-hmm. really thick, heavy, insulated gloves that you can't quite feel. Yep. Triggers and safety slickers and things. Yep. Um, so if you don't have one of those and you spend a lot of time, especially with a rifle outside, um, well worth having.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, good stuff. Um, guys, uh, anything else you want to throw on there? So I think that I think that kind of covers the night. So
0: yeah, I guess one, one last thing. Um, you know, at fifty, we were shooting everywhere from again seven yards to fifty yards. Yep. Uh, even though we had the entire A zone of the target, height uh, overboard definitely kind of became an issue. I think for a couple people. Yeah, because we were seeing low misses. <clears throat> uh, so being able to, to remember, you know, if you're at zero for fifty yards, so point of aim, point of impact at fifty yards, mm-hmm. um, your bullet is climbing on the way to that. Uh, which means you really need to kind of be aiming at that high center chest or that upper A zone,
1: which is where you should be aiming anyway. Right. Quite honestly, I mean, my hold um, fifty yards and in generally, my hold is I try and put the dot or the center of the optic or whatever at the top of that A box. And as a negative target, it's actually easier because uh, you got more contrast. Yeah. Um, but I try and hold a little bit higher, and every once in a while, it gets us on a crappy design target. But that's another podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so just you know, one thing to again to remember. Uh, kind of easy to forget when you got lights and dark and mm-hmm. movement and a timer going.
1: <coughs> yeah. Well, and some of that could be habit too. If you were a military or law enforcement at one point, you might've been taught shoot center of mass, put bullets in the middle of the meat, your best opportunity and then, and then fine tune as you need to from there. And I'm not going to argue with that dogma. Um, I, you know, I'd rather, I'm going to try and put the rounds where I want the rounds to go quickly. Um, but if, you know, if that's where you've always worked is, is hit the middle of the meat and then fine tune it and go from there, whatever you, you do, you boo boo. Um, but, if you're where it's where the rounds are going to be most effective it is not it's higher than that and you got to get used to yeah. that so yep
0: for sure <coughs> yeah cool anything, anything else that's it that's yeah. I, I think we're good there so cool so, yeah get out get out and train take advantage of the cold weather uh take advantage of the snow and yeah wind and all that um it it makes a difference and it teaches you some fairly valuable lessons and it's good for you yeah uh on that note as we come across Interesting training ideas and other things along with new inventory in the store. Um, they get posted up to our social media. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Cap City Outfitters 2 uh, We had to get a new IG handle because uh, the commies at Meta uh, memory hold our first one. Dirty bastards. Uh, Facebook, you can find us at Cap City Outfitters. Uh, so give us a, a, a like or a follow or whatever they call it on there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on our website.
1: Do book facey stuff.
0: Yeah, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, uh, along with find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor over at silencershop.com. Uh, a quick note about the ATF uh, e file stuff um, the ATF is, fortunately, uh, in <clears throat> our opinion, a fairly bumbling, inefficient entity when it comes to electronic stuff. Uh, we would rather they be that than all-knowing and all-seeing. Yes, yes. Um, so they are still working out some kinks regarding the e-file system. Uh, yeah, we're we're rolling with it as best we can. Uh, please be patient with them. Again, it's better that they're a little bit not knowing what they're doing yeah. versus all-seeing and all-knowing and all-powerful.
1: And and I, for updates, go to Silencer Shop's webpage. Go to silencershop.com or go yeah. to our webpage and link to it. However you do it, I don't care. Um, but if you want updates on where things are at, Silencer Shop is leading the charge on this, and they're leading the comms aspect of that as well. Um, and, and they're being pretty transparent, in my opinion, because, I mean, I talked to some of those guys uh, on, on about a weekly basis right now, the guys behind the scenes, and everybody is scrambling to make this work. Uh, the ATF's doing what they can do, at, at, at like you said, at the best of their ability, which is somewhat lacking. But still, Um, and then Silencer Shop is trying to react to that. So, And they're forced to react to the ATF. They don't have a choice. Um, So they're reacting to it and doing the best job they can with processes and comms both. So, you know, just be patient with the process. But we're going to get there. And I think eventually in the long haul, might be six months or a year out, you're going to see sub 90-day form 4 transfers. Um, Right now, you're still going to see faster than paper transfers, even if you did it today. um, It's still going to go faster than a paper form 4. it's just a matter of where you fall in that cycle. So just be patient with it. Yep. But for comms, check in with Silencer Shop because there, anything you hear from me is going to be something that came from them, yep. and it's already posted. Yeah, yep.
0: Silencer Shop's also doing a pretty good job of posting updates to their social media. Yep. Um, yep. So yeah. Yep. Uh, what else is going on? I uh, don't. Huh? I don't know. Yeah, Please. we're we are here in Hilliard. Uh, we're directly next to Louie's Fusion Drill, or in front of the Ollies, uh, 4465 Cemetery Road. And you can come visit us from 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Yeah, stop in and grab lunch at Louis. If you need a cup of coffee, hit Rev Coffee down on the other end. Uh, Good folks, they'll take care of you. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Really appreciate it.